Thank you to Matt Bogdanow for this week's podcast theme. And now, here's the podcast. Hi, welcome to the podcast. I am uh, Joe Posnanski, the national columnist at NBC Sports. And as uh, with me, as always, Michael Shore, executive producer of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, can no longer say executive producer of Parks and Recreation. But uh, congratulations on, on the final season of that. That had to be a, a blast. Uh, yes. And, pro- and probably very emotional, I would guess. It was, it was both of those things. It was very emotional. It was a lot of fun. Um, and by the way, since I forgot to say this last time, thank you for having me. <laughs> we, we heard about that from people. And I it's know. Funny, we, we have a new podcast theme uh, song, which, which uh, we will play, I think, before this, uh, before this thing. You probably have heard it, if, unless I couldn't find it. And, uh, and it, that, is, that is obviously the, the essence of that, is you thanking me for, for being on here. And then you didn't do it last time, and uh, the, uh, the guy who sang the podcast was uh, a little upset about that. Yeah, I know. And, and um, it, it was a huge oversight on my, <laughs> my part, and I truly apologize. <laughs> so we are going to do – this is an all-baseball podcast. It's, it's, it's special. This is live. I'm doing this from my vacation. That's how, much, how important it was for us to do our baseball podcast. And, uh, and you're about to go on vacation as well, so we love baseball that much. Would you agree with that? Yes. It's a, we, couldn't, we couldn't let a year go by. Well, here's the thing. Every year we make certain predictions about baseball, and over the last five years or whatever, 20, 28 years we've been doing this podcast, <laughs> we've been, we have like 98% accuracy right. on the right, predictions. Right. So it wouldn't be fair of us not to do this. It, people are out there clamoring for our, for our fearless, accurate predictions. Well, what I was told was that the Vegas uh, line it actually will move. Oh, slightly. significantly. Yeah. yeah, oh, after, yeah. after we do this. So, you know, felt like we needed to for the financial uh, reasons. So our first thing we do is we'll do our faux argument, <clears throat> which I love today's faux argument. Today's faux argument is, is baseball, our baseball games, too long? That is, that is our faux argument. Right. And, and you get to start. Now I forget it. What do we do? Ten minutes? Is that what we do? We were supposed to do ten minutes. All right, I'm I'm starting it right now. Excellent. So um, baseball games have gotten uh, a little longer over the last ten years. They've gone up about like sixteen or seventeen minutes, and so now uh, the league is stepping in, and they're trying to speed up the games. And the way that they've decided to do this is to enforce a rule. It has never been enforced in the 150-year history of baseball, which is that hitters have to keep one foot in the batter's box at all times. This is a thing that, like, when you play Little League, the umpires will tell you you have to do, and then as soon as you're out of Little League, no one cares about this rule anymore. And the reason I think this is silly is, well, there's several reasons. Number one is that the, the length of the games, like, the networks who air these games like long games, right? Because the more, longer the game is, the more commercial breaks there are, and that's how they make their money. So they could, if they really wanted to speed up the game, there are very obvious changes they could make. They could, for example, say that after a relief pitcher comes into the game, they just start pitching. Right. Because the relief pitcher has been warming up at the bullpen for some number of minutes, then the, then the coach makes the pitching change, and then the relief pitcher comes in and then warms up again. There's no reason for this at all. The mound is the same height. They've pitched in that stadium probably numerous times before. They could throw one warm-up pitch just to, like, test it out or whatever. But there doesn't have to be the, – the reason that they let them warm up is because they take a commercial break. Right. 
So that alone, I mean, how many pitching changes are there in an average game? Like, you know, six, yeah, seven, five, eight, five nine. Or six, absolutely. Right. Each one of those is two and a half or three minutes or four minutes or whatever it is. Have, like, that's, a, that's 20 to 30 minutes of time that they could just eliminate, straight up eliminate. But they're not going to because the, it's about the TV commercial breaks, I believe. So instead, they're going to try to do this by squeezing the margins and saying the pitchers have to throw quicker, more quickly and the hitters have to hit more quickly. And that, to me, is insane because that's literally screwing with the pace of the actual game, with the sort of strategy and the, like, and the, and the actual game itself. And that part of it I don't think is too long. I really don't. I, I think that's part of what makes baseball fun is the sort of like the pace of it and the kind of like strategy and the, and the countering and the thought process of the pitcher and of the hitter. And those, the hitter stepping out of the batter's box is what allows the hitter to refresh in his memory. Okay, it's, it's, uh, it's one and one. This guy tends to throw sliders to try to get you to chase after he starts with a strike or whatever. That's the part of it that makes the game good and fun. The part of it that makes the game slightly boring, if you think the game is boring, I personally don't. But if you think it does, is all of the wasted time. It's the same thing that makes football boring, which is like a team scores... There's a kick, they go to a commercial, there's a kickoff, they go to another commercial, then they run a play, then they call a timeout, then there's another commercial. There is an equivalent of that in baseball, and if they really want to make the game shorter, why aren't they, why aren't they focusing on that? It's because of the commercials, and that means the game can never really get that much shorter. Yeah. Well, as, as yeah. usual in these faux arguments, I just agree with you entirely, and uh, don't really feel like I need to add anything. You know, I've thought a lot about this, about the pitching changes thing, and... One of the great things about baseball is one of the great things about all sports. There are individual things that happen in that sport that would make no sense in other sports at all. Um, and, and there are numerous examples of this in basketball and football and hockey and so on and so forth. However, very few things would make less sense in other sports than letting the guy warm up when he gets on the field. Yeah. Like, you know, somebody's, you know, coming in to shoot a free throw for an injured guy and they go, well, hold on, let's stop the game and let you take about five or six of those just to just to kind of get a feel for the basket and all of that. It's it's lunacy. It's pure yeah. lunacy. And you're right. These guys are, are pros. They've they've been warming up already in the bullpen forever. Um, they're warm when they get out there. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. And that is. By far, pitching changes, I think, are the biggest reason why the game is, is, is slowed down. I, I think the pace of the game could be picked up in certain ways during the game. Uh, I don't think hitters need to take, whatever, 10 seconds between pitches to straighten their gloves or whatever. And, and, and I, I see that. And by the same token, pitchers sometimes do take too long. Uh, especially in key situations, the stepping off the mound and then the catcher comes out and then he goes, uh, yeah, that they could do something about that. But to me, I don't understand why that part of it should just be in the umpire's role. That should be the umpire's job, especially as umpiring becomes more and more and more automatic. Um, the umpire's job should be, hey, let's keep the game going and, and everybody into it. And that's your job. Your job is to kind of keep the pace of play going at a, at a nice clip. It doesn't have to be a breakneck clip, but a, a nice clip. But you're right. If we're ever going to slow the game down, and I think, I mean, the speed the game up, and I do think some of these three-and-a-half-hour, four-hour games, they're, they're too long. Um, I understand that. 
if we're ever going to do that, it's going to come down to some basic concessions on the part of television and, and all of these breaks that happen in the middle of games, and I don't think that's going to change. So there's only so much you can do to like make the game significantly shorter when, as you're saying, when you're cutting on the edges. You're just not going to make it that short. Yeah, like the USA Today did a study about this, and, and the time between pitches um, was, it was about 21 and a half seconds uh, on average from 2008 to 2011. I'm reading from this site right now, okay? So in 2014, which had the longest average game on record, it was 23 seconds. So that's a second and a half difference over seven years, right? right. So let's say there's 200 pitches on each team. That's 300 seconds. That's five total minutes right. from each team. That's not enough, right? Like if yeah. they, I mean, they, you could you could say like we're gonna you have to average 21 and a half seconds or whatever, and, and that way we'll shave five minutes or eight minutes or whatever off the game. That that could work, but you know why? Right. <laughs> Because by simply telling pitchers that they didn't that they w- didn't have to warm up when they got in the game, they could save that time without doing anything, without and and letting the pitchers and the hitters di- like dictate the pace of the game within the game itself instead of during the time when there was no game happening, and that that to me is like the biggest difference is like just if you're gonna do this, fine, but do it eliminate the parts where there's no game being played. That's the, that's the, it's the, it's the most obvious thing in the world. And until they sort of just make that concession, like you said, until the networks and the local broadcasters will agree to make that concession, there's kind of no point to this. Like you can shave off at the margins, but try, go ahead and try to enforce a 21.5 second limit instead of a 23 second limit and see how much success that has. Because by the way, the first time that you say, you know, let's say, let's say you make a rule where if you don't release the ball within 21 and a half seconds, after, between pitches, then it's an automatic ball or whatever, like the equivalent of, you know, going to your, like touching your mouth with your hand or whatever. It's an automatic ball. So you do that twice in a game, and the pitcher's going to argue, and the catcher's going to argue, and the manager's going to come out and argue, and then you're dead. <laughs> like then you've, then you've wasted like another minute. You've saved a second and a half to waste a minute of time. So like the, the only way to do this is to eliminate the 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 pauses when the game is not being played and i just don't see that happening i don't think it's going to work and by the way do they need to warm up between every inning do they need to like do the first baseman really need to bring the ball out and hey you know it's been 5 minutes since we've been on the field so you guys better get your arms loose again i mean is that really necessary i mean it's it's two and a half minutes or something between innings is that is that really necessary athletically i i don't think so it's obvious you you got to get as many commercials in. And that seems to be the point, by the way. If they do find ways to sh- shave at the margins, those will end up being commercials. We all know that, right? I mean, yeah. it's, they're, they're not going to say, hey, you know what? Now that the game is shorter, let's let's cut down on this. Co-. No, they're going to say, well, now the game's shorter. It's a lot easier for us to add another 30-second spot every half inning or whatever. It's... It, it, it is ridiculous the way that it goes. And I do worry. The, the one thing that I really worry about it is I think you can start messing with the pace of play. That's why I hate the idea of a clock in the game. You can start messing with the pace of play, and you're, you're really attacking one of the great things about baseball. It, that's, it's why we go. It's why the, the people that love baseball, it's why they care. Nobody goes to baseball who loves the game and says, man, I wish there was more violence in it or I wish it was faster paced or I wish – 
the people who want that are the people who don't like baseball. And right. they're not going to like baseball if you just speed up the pace a little bit. That's not leave the game at its core the way that it has been because that's what people love about it. Yeah, and I think I, I think it's possible. You know, you're always there's always going to be hardcore fans of any sport that watch the sport no matter what, and there's always going to be people who hate the sport and don't watch the sport. There is a middle zone of casual fans who may theoretically be more interested in watching a game or two if the game were a little faster. That It's possible, and that, that's who they're fighting over, right? It's like the old adage in politics that you know 40% of the country is voting Democrat or Republican, and you're fighting over the other 20%. But at the same time, the game is just completely dominated, as all things are these days, by television. And that's why World Series and playoff games start later and later and later to get more and more you know, fans on the on the West Coast, if it's an East Coast game, you know, you don't want to start the game at 4 p.m. West Coast time or whatever. But that has caused this other problem, which is, you know, the game start really started at 820 and then there's extra commercials and stuff. And the exciting ninth inning of any World Series game is taking place at, you know, is after midnight. You know, all that that eight, that 2004 Red Sox Yankee series, which admittedly went into extra innings a number of times. Those games are ending at one in the morning or something, you know. So that's the deal. Like if you if you're doing if you're if you're dictating the the pace of the game and the rules of the game based on television, you're just gonna have long games and you're gonna have games that end really late and that drive people away. And that that's the balance they're trying to strike right now is trying to figure out how to maximize TV revenue with that, and also keep the games from ending at you know in the wee hours. So I, there's no answer really. Well, I think um, there is an answer. I think I think there is an answer, and the answer is the games will keep ending at one and two in the morning. I mean, I think <laughs> right, if it comes right. down to if finding the balance, the balance will be maximized television revenue. I mean, that's not there will be no second, yeah. you know, second thing, and and that's okay. You're trying to basically figure out a way to broadcast and display a baseball uh, game that began in 1875, you know, 1876. Right. So you're you're taking an old game and making it. Uh, putting it in a new environment, and there are going to be some clashes, and it's very clear who's going to win those clashes. It's going to go to television, and the games are going to be long. Again, sometimes you need to bite the bullet on some of these things and go, look, the game's going to be long unless we just really terrorize the pace, just tear it apart, and I think that would be a big mistake. And speaking of long, we're already two minutes over. Of course we are. <laughs> so we're ending it right there. We agree. That's all. Great. That's that's all that really matters. Good fake argument. Good fake. <laughs> it's, well, how do we come up with that concept again? I'm not. It was in my mind. It was based on um, the uh, phenomenon of like around the horn, where they where they just force people to take positions that they clearly don't have just to create. And like every every single issue on around the horn and shows like around the horn has ended with two people holding a diametrically opposed opinion, the chances of that happening are nil. So it's so the idea was let's create a fake argument where we'll we don't know we don't talk about this, just so everyone knows. We don't talk about this beforehand. We just end up almost always agreeing. <laughs> on yeah, what as most people would, I think, yeah. in general. So Every year, as you know, we always pick who's going to win uh, the World Series. This is this is that time of year. Last year, astonishingly, uh, we both picked the Giants to beat the Royals in the World Series, as everyone who, who was listening remembers. Uh, and, and it came true, and it was, I think, our fourth consecutive year of picking the World Series properly. So, in order to keep that streak going, 
we're going to pick our World Series winners. Is that right? Is that yeah? We're well, pick? LCS and then World Series. All right. Winner. So we pick LCS first and then World Series. Uh, I will start um, with the American League, um, and so we're picking the two teams in the American League LCS. And obviously, for me, this is this is very this is an emotional time for me um, because the Kansas City Royals are defending American League champions, right? And they probably will not be when the year ends. So I want to enjoy that probably? every single day. You're going to say probably? Because well, I, I have not made my prediction yet. As, and you know, and, I, and when, once I do, then it's over, obviously. But I see. at this moment, they still could be because I haven't predicted them not to be. Um, so I want to enjoy every minute of this. I mean, this is – it. Really, do you look back on that, by the way, last year's postseason and go, that didn't happen? No, not at all. Really? I, I mean, yeah. I mean, the, it was. Uh, I, I mean, it was very obviously surprising. But I think it's a, uh, and it was a little fluky, right? They, the Royals probably shouldn't have gotten out of the first round of the playoffs. Like they had a bunch of comebacks. But like that's why baseball is great, is because that team, that team that was built like a 1980s Royals team, right? With no power and nothing but defense and speed and pitching. Like those teams can make runs. Like yeah, that that just happens sometimes. That's why it's fun to. That's why watching baseball is great. Is because you never know what's going to happen, and that you know they, it's not going to happen this year. <laughs> they're not going to get. They're not going to. They're not going to get anywhere close to the playoffs in all likelihood. But it was still. I still was like, oh, that's what. Ha- that's like a team in March Madness making a crazy run in the old days. It's like yeah, given you know, given a thousand. Um, Major League Baseball seasons with last year's roster constructions. How many Royals teams make the World Series? I don't know, four. But that was last year was one of those four, you know? Well, and it's it really is something in, in all seriousness that we did talk about last year where when we made our predictions at the beginning of October, we said, hey, you know what? We have no idea, right? I mean, it could, it could easily be two wildcard teams that get there because once you get into the postseason, it doesn't matter. I mean, it, I, I really don't believe at this point that it matters if you're the if you're the best team, second best team, fifth best team. Yeah. Uh, going into the into the postseason, once you get there, it's 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 a brand new thing, and you could end up having like a crazy Madison Bumgarner is not going to get it, you know, give up a hit the entire postseason. You could have a crazy run of stolen bases and 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 you know blue pits like the Royals did. Absolutely anything can happen, and that's why I believe that's why when we're we're picking the American League, I think the best two teams in the American League are uh, the Angels and the Red Sox. I think they're the two best teams in the American League, right? And I think they're going to be the teams that are going to play in the in the LCS when you pick it. You pick the two best teams. Neither one of them might make the playoffs. If they make the playoffs, they could they could get beat by. The Minnesota Twins, we have no earthly idea at this point uh, yeah. because because October is so crazy. But they are the two best teams, I think, yeah. going into the year. I don't like anybody really in the American League East. I, I want to like Toronto. I mean, that's a team that I really want to have it happen for finally. Uh, and they do have a lot of talent, but it just doesn't feel right. Um, the Central, the team that I think is the, the best – the most likely to pull off kind of a Royals-like uh, year is uh, is actually Cleveland with that pitching staff. I think that mm-hmm. rotation is insane. Um, and I think Seattle is a team that could make a run in the West. So those are the five that I would think were going to go to the to the, uh, to the the playoffs. And then I'm going to pick the Red Sox uh, and Angels 
uh, in the in the um, league championship series, and then because Boston always goes to the World Series and always <laughs> wins the Super Bowl, I'm going to pick the Red Sox to win the AL. Um, yeah, I'm with you on all of that. I, I, the Red Sox and Angels are the two. I mean, the the weird thing is this very sad latest chapter of of the Josh Hamilton saga. Oh. Actually, I think you know helps the Angels because they they have he's making thirty million a year. They had to play him. They gave him a million at bats whenever he was healthy. He was in the lineup and he wasn't good. He was actually very bad. And so him not being part of the equation. Mixed with a really good lineup, a really good pitching staff, all that stuff, they seem like the team to come out of the West to me. Um, the Red Sox have completely revamped. The, the reason to root for the Red Sox this year, if you, if you don't um, care about uh, the Red Sox one way or the other, is simply because they have a chance to go last to first to last to first, which <laughs> would be amazing. And, and um, that, that, to me, would be super exciting. Those are the teams. But to me... Like the only reason not to pick one of those two teams is really be for the for the reason that it's very unlikely that the best teams are just going to sail right through. Like right. I think the I think what the Mariners did. I, I, by the way, the headline for me this year in both leagues is I feel like this is a year of West Coast dominance. I think the teams on the West Coast, almost without fail, are going to be really good. And so I'm just for the heck of it, I'm going to say the Red Sox and Mariners. Nice. Make, make the LCS for literally for no reason except that why not be different? And I'll pick the I'll pick the Mariners to go to the to the World Series because why not? But I I think if you were just I'm sure that if you looked at the Pakota projections, I'm guessing the Red Sox and Angels will have the best records. And the Rays, by the way, the Rays the Rays have a chance to be really good. That defense their defense is to me is as almost as good as the Royals defense. Um, I think their defense is phenomenal and their pitching is, is always good. And, you know, they haven't, they don't, they're, they're exciting and young and fun. And if Longoria can sort of rebound and a couple of those guys have good years, there's no reason the Rays can't win the East. I, so it's, it's pretty wide open in the AL, but I'll go Red Sox Mariners with the Mariners making a series. I like it. And and, and Mariners first world series. That is it. That's a very good, that'd be fun. Yeah. Really fun. And they are really good, by the way. I, I did go to that camp and, working on a, a Felix Hernandez piece and they are, they're really good. I mean, they, yeah. they're going to, they're going to have great pitching, whether or not they're going to, you know, score enough runs, or, you know, is Cruz and, and Cano is a middle of the lineup that looks pretty good right now. So, mm-hmm. you know, but they're really good. I think you're right about the East, by the way. I think any team except for the New York Yankees can win the American League East. I, I, I really sort of the way I think that any team conceivably could win the central except for the twins, I have the Yankees and Twins on an equal level for me right now. Uh, and I love saying that. That's why I'm really doing that. Um, because we always just completely ignore the Orioles. I think we tend to just do that. The yeah. Orioles could absolutely win the, the East. Totally. No question that they can win the East. So I think any team in that in that in in the East could win, but the Yankees can't. I, I do believe this is the year that I've been saying this for how many years now? 20 um, 20 years I've been saying this is the year is. the Yankees completely fall apart. You have just guaranteed that the Yankees <laughs> win 88 games and are the wild card <laughs> and probably make the LCS. You've just guaranteed that's a, now a lock. Okay. Yeah, that's probably so. Probably so. All right, who's going to win the National League? Um I have uh there's two very very obvious choices here to me, which are the Nationals and the Dodgers. Yes. And the idea that one of those two teams wouldn't be in the LCS to me is crazy. Um, but here's the exciting thing about the NL. First of all, 
the Padres are relevant. <laughs> That's amazing. That is, to me, like, the best possible World Series maybe would be, like, Mariners-Padres because it would be the first World Series for the Mariners and the, and the Padres. The Padres going from, like, a perennial, completely ignorable team to a team that, like, makes a real run would be exciting. They got Matt Kemp, who, which, who knows, he's kind of a wild card. They also got Will Myers. They got Derek Norris, who's 25 or something, or 26, and is one of the best hitting, hitting catchers in baseball. They're going to be really good, and they play in a stadium where, in order to hit a home run, um, you have to hit a ball 500 feet in any direction, and which means every one of those pitchers is going to be good. That's really exciting to me. The, other, the most exciting thing in, in all of sports, in any sport, is the fact that the Cubs are going to be good, yes. I think. And I'm really, I, re, I almost just said, what the heck, I'm going to choose the Cubs because it's the, it, it'll be the greatest story in sports. I still think they're like one year away. They still are so young. But the Cubs, like, the Cubs could be in the playoffs. They very easily could be in the playoffs. And if they are, it'll just be everyone in America is going to get behind them and it's going to be great. I think the Cubs win the World Series, not this year, but next year. That's my prediction. I'm pre-predicting. <laughs> The twenty for the twenty sixteen baseball podcast, Cubs win the World Series. Yeah, but I think right now, just for the sake of sanity, you got to go Nationals, Dodgers, and I'm going to pick the Dodgers to win, and I'm going to pick the Dodgers to win the whole thing. Okay, well, I I, I totally agree with you on Nationals, Dodgers being the the team, but I'm going to go ahead and pick the Cubs because I think somebody should. Yes, I love it. And <laughs> I man, do I love this Cubs team? I mean, I've been I've loved this the way they built this team for. Two years now, I've I've been I've been writing it repeatedly. I've seen Theo a few times. I just love what they're doing there, and I love that that things are happening now with the Cubs that are, it's like movie type stuff. I mean, they went into this year knowing Chris Bryant is one of the great prospects in the game, obviously, and they went in going, all right, well they're not going to start the year with him. They want him under some control, and I. I really don't like when people start complaining about that kind of stuff because because of the finances of the game, you do have to do kind of stupid things in order to keep players under control for a while. I mean, it just it's just part of the game as we as we do it. Yeah. And so they do that going in. Everybody knows that's the strategy. Nobody's happy about it. And then Chris Bind hits a thousand home runs in spring training. I mean, just just like there's not even a chance you're sending me to the minor leagues. I mean, it's he at yeah. one point had six home runs and like seven outs in spring. That's that's the kind well. The of other day, did you, did you see the thing where the other day is like he was like a planned day of rest, I think, or maybe he was sick, and they were just like, yeah, he's not going to play today, and then he pinch hit. <laughs> In the late in the game, and on the first pitch, hit an opposite field home run. It was like he's a monster. That guy is a monster. And by the way, yeah, he's incredible. And if it were just Chris Bryant who was on that team, there'd be a lot of reason for optimism. They've got like seven guys who are like, I mean, not he's probably the best, but like they've literally got seven prospects on that team who are going to be somewhere between Double A and the majors to start the year, and probably all of whom will be up by the end of the year. Who are um who are like there's seven of the twenty best prospects in baseball. It's unbelievable, and the idea that like the idea that they're gonna like all come and play at, on on the team and like have and like really take off and and that that team is gonna like have make a run in August. Is there anything more exciting 
Then the idea of the Cubs making a playoff run in August of this year. I'm so excited for this. I'm telling you, it is like it's a Broadway musical. That's what it is. I mean, it's yeah. like you have all of these young players that are going to come in. They don't even know what they're doing. And, and Chris Bryant, by the way, I am, until proven otherwise, I am convinced he is uh, Roy Hobbs. He's the natural. <laughs> it's, I mean, he's obviously way younger, but I do think he was actually shot with, with a silver bullet or whatever that was. And <laughs> Because he does insane things, and then you go, okay, well, that was kind of crazy, and then the next day he does something more, like, fictional. It's It really is incredible, and you're right, they've got, and all seven of those prospects you mentioned, I mean, some of them were already up, Baez was up last year, and yeah. and, and others, um, they all hit, They're none of them are pitchers, they're all hitters in that ballpark, with the wind blowing out, they're going to score crazy amount of runs at a time where nobody's scoring runs. I just think this could be – now, look, it could completely fall apart too, right? They're, they are the Cubs. And yeah. I remember talking to um, uh, Joe Montaigne, of all people, a huge Cubs fan, and he was talking about the Bartman game, and he said it's a good thing that, that the Bartman thing happened because if not – then the earth would have opened up and swallowed everybody whole because there was, there's no way the Cubs are actually going to win. So that that's still a possibility. But love that team. And I think, by the way, in baseball today, these things happen faster than they used to. Like, it used to be like, hey, you're a year away or two years away. But I remember when Tampa Bay did this, when they went uh, all the way to the World Series in, in a way when nobody thought they were going to be worth anything. Yeah. And it just happens really fast. It happened fast for the Royals. I think it's going to happen fast for them, and and I'm I'm willing to say it this year. So so Cubs who Cubs Red Sox in my my World Series, um, which would be the world would blow up. It would be <laughs> so ridiculous, and and uh, and the world would just blow up. But Mariners Padres, you know that would be exciting too. For you know what be, people. So now that we've both made our predictions, you know what the correct answer is, right? The correct answer is Cardinals over Yankees in five. <laughs> <laughs> tigers get the tigers in there somehow yeah it's cardinals over yankees or or, or giants over tigers how about, the, how about the poor nationals you know the nationals probably win 105 games this year with that yeah. rotation and then they'll they're not going to the world series that's just there's no they they can't win any they're in washington i just think there's i have i have a friend who's a huge nationals fan and he tells me this all the time there's a political curse with that team. They are never, <laughs> ever go until Congress gets it straightened out. They're never going to the World Series, and I think he's right. There, I feel like I don't know. I feel like there's more teams to be excited about this year than in in most past years. Like I, I think there, you can find a, a legitimate reason to be excited about the Giants, Padres, and Dodgers. You could be excited about the Cubs, certainly, and the Cardinals, because the Cardinals are always good. Even the Brewers, the Brewers are going to hit the ball. That, that'll be fun to watch. You can be excited. Oh, by the way, the New York Mets are pretty exciting this year. Like, yeah. the New York Mets, like, they could contend this year. And the Nationals, obviously. And even, weirdly, the Marlins, which is a crazy underdog story. You can be legitimately excited about the A's, Mariners, and Angels. You can't be excited about the Rangers, really, because now Darvish has gone for the year and they're in trouble. But you could be – take your pick in the Central, except the Twins. You could be pretty excited about any of those teams. And then in the East, the Red Sox, Rays, and Blue Jays are all, all – and Orioles are all – have reasons that you could be excited about. Like, there's so many teams that have interesting stories this year. It's going to be really fun. It's going to be fun. You didn't even mention the Pirates, and the Pirates, I think, are exciting. Right. You know, I mean, this is – Yeah. It really is cool. And I, and, and I got to say, 
for all of the things that he screwed up, which he did plenty of them. That's kind of Bud's dream, right? I mean, this was this was the idea was Bud wanted everybody to have hope on opening day. That was like his his right. thing. He used to say all the time. And, you know, look, there's there there are reasons for that. I mean, the wild card, you know, just adding teams is going to get people excited to to the playoffs when you when you add teams. Um, all of the various draft maneuvers that they've done and, and so on and so forth. But regardless, I, I think you're right. I think there are probably – I think the Astros, I think the Twins, the Yankees just because because it's such a, a downfall from, from where they were, maybe a couple of other teams. Those are the only ones, Phillies for sure, going into the year that are going, yeah, this is going to be a bad year. I think yeah. everybody else is going, hey, there, a couple of things fall for us and, and this is our year. Yeah, they're getting closer. They are getting closer to what to what football has, right. which is you know the Roger Goodell's dream is that every team ends the year eight and eight. <laughs> like, and, and that's like that's the ultimate dream, and I feel like they're they're getting closer. I mean, I don't know. Maybe the salary cap is helping, or maybe the people running the front offices are smarter about the way they draft and develop players and stuff like that. But like, I don't know. It's it just feels very exciting. It is, and and I look, I really believe, and, and we need to go on to our draft. But I really believe there's been a fundamental shift in baseball in general. People are going to say it's because of drug testing. I think it's because of many, many different factors, of which drug testing is uh, only one of them. But with offense down, teams have a better chance. I mean, yeah. when when you have a lot of runs being scored, there's just going to be a much bigger disparity between the really good teams and the really bad ones. That's why in '98 you had a 114 win team in 2000. One, I guess you had the Mariners with their crazy year. Um, there's going to be a big disparity when you have a lot of runs being scored, but when every game is three-two and four-three and five-four or whatever, um, you're going to have a lot of teams that are going to win a lot of games, and and it's uh, I think it's great. I think it's by great the way, the just to bring this conversation full circle. When runs are at a premium, games are going to be longer, right? It's I think it's counterintuitive a little bit, but the more value that there is on scoring one run, the more pitching changes they're going to be made, the more pinch hitting is going to happen, the more like kind of like strategy and stuff. You know, in the old days when you, like the offense does not counter counterintuitively, high scoring games don't always mean longer games. I think that sometimes they can, you know, that when it's when the games are really tight and contested. There's a lot more managerial strategy that maybe comes into play, which which makes the games longer. So if that's the case, in you know that trend, that's not going to go away. I think that trend is going to continue of offense being suppressed, and and that means that it's going to be much harder to figure out how to make the game shorter. So. Well, you're right. I mean, I think because basically what makes the game longer are pitching changes. I mean, that's the biggest thing. It's right. The pitcher going, it's the manager going to the mound twice. It's all of that. And what used to happen is pitching changes only happened when teams were giving up a lot of runs. So it'd be like, okay, well, it's a high-scoring game, so we had to change pitchers four times. But now, it's not like that. Pitching changes really have very little to do with a guy not having it. It's much more to do with, uh, I got to match up lefty-lefty here. I got to put in a seventh-inning guy or whatever. So you're right. Well, I I think it comes down to pitching changes if they ever figure out how how to speed up the game. But we can get to that another time because it's time for the draft. Right. By the way, you apparently won the last draft. I, I really felt like my fears were way better than your fears. <laughs> <laughs> I, how do? What are you basing? I'm basing that on the the uh, the Tumblr Feedback? the Tumblr podcast draft. Uh, 
um, where I, you know, like seven people voted, but six of them voted for you. So I'm, <laughs> I think that's enough to prove that you won the draft. And, and I, and I grant you your fear. I was in Nashville um, over the weekend for, for uh, Kentucky basketball. And in my hotel, there was a 13th floor and I wanted to take a photo of it and send it to you. I was so excited to see. That's uh, amazing. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we're wising up. As a species, maybe maybe we're finally maybe we're finally moving past one of the dumbest things that we all agree to for no reason on Earth. I think it was actually there were their podcast listeners, and they just changed it. It's kind, of, <laughs> kind of what I viewed it as. I right? like the idea of like widespread anti-superstition vandalism, where people <laughs> break into hotels and replace all of the fourteenth floor buttons and, and numbers and stuff with 13th floor buttons and numbers. That sounds good to me. I am Let's so doing up. this. I'm getting duct tape <laughs> and putting them over. I'm doing that. All right. Um, our draft this, this week uh, is based on uh, our baseball thing. We are just drafting great things about baseball. That's it. That's, that's the whole draft thing. And you have the first pick. All right. The first pick, I think it's a no-brainer. Great things about baseball, the actual ball itself. Oh, a yeah. baseball. It's to, I think it's the most perfect piece of athletic equipment that exists. You could make an argument for other things. In fact, other things in baseball you could make arguments for. Bats, gloves, you know, whatever. Catcher's mitts, they have their own charm. But the, an actual baseball is the most perfect. It's the perfect size. It fits in your hand perfectly. It can do so many things. It can be... It can be curved. It can be sunk. It can it can slice right or left. The sound it makes when it hits a baseball bat is amazing. If when you catch it, it makes a satisfying thwack in your glove. <laughs> I I have in my house and in my office at work probably a dozen baseballs, just baseballs that I just bought at a sporting goods store, and I'm almost constantly holding one in my hand, just like tossing it up in the air, rubbing the seams like gripping it in different ways, four seam, two seam, a curveball grip, like a circle change grip. Like I, it's, it's the thing that has, you know, despite like how tightly coiled it is or how, whether the balls have been juiced to different times in baseball's past, the size of it has remained almost exactly the same uh, forever. And I think there's a reason for that, which is that it's a perfect piece of sports equipment. It can't be beaten. The ball itself, number one pick. Yeah, it's it's. it's I think it's a good pick. You have to go with the ball. It is. It is so. By the way, I I, I also uh, have baseballs all over my house that I will just pick up randomly and and hold and walk around with. And so I have to ask the question: Can you throw a knuckleball? I actually can. You can. Yes, I can. It doesn't knuckle crazily. It's okay. not, you know, Tim Wakefield or, or, or one of the Necros or something. But well, I was thinking it would be, but yeah. I okay. can, I, I, in part because playing catch with my friends and with my dad over the years, when just playing catch, I probably throw 50% knuckleballs, <laughs> which is like, it's very irritating for the person you're playing catch with. But I've gotten good enough that I can throw a ball with a decent amount of, you know, casual catch speed with no rotation and it gets a little knuckle on it. It okay. kind of flutters a little. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's, it's incredibly satisfying to do it by the way. It's like, and, and I don't know if I would have done it, it had it not been for Tim Wakefield. Like the fact that Tim Wakefield pitched for the Red Sox for however long it was for, you know, 15 years and, and loving him and, and like finding him to be an underappreciated member of those teams. 
it made me want to throw more knuckleballs just casually. And I watched him talk about it and I read articles about how he did it and stuff. So I, I can, I can one out of seven knuckleballs I throw looks like a real knuckleball. Which is I pretty- would think there is no better feeling. And I cannot, I have, I have tried to throw it. I mean, every so often I'll throw one that, that it'll, I'll say, eh, that might've moved a little bit, but the feeling of being able to throw a ball at roughly 50 miles an hour, 40 miles an hour, whatever speed we would throw it at 30 and 12. having somebody miss it, like swing and miss because the ball did some kind of gyration in the air. That is like the coolest thing in the world. That's why I think, I think that's why I'm so fascinated by the knuckleball is, is this idea. And by the way, that's my first pick is the knuckleball. And I don't know whether or not it's fair since you just took the ball. Um, but this idea, there's no, there's nothing in any other sport like the knuckleball. There's nothing in any other sport where you you throw something at basically anybody can do at speed and have the ball do something that makes the greatest hitters in the world swing at the ball and miss it. Yeah, it's like you're robbing a bank in broad daylight right, and that's right. getting away with it. It's like it's and in. in as great as it must feel for the pitcher, it must feel equally terrible for the hitters. I mean, it must just be the most... These guys have been hitting 95-mile-an-hour pitches for home runs their entire lives. And then a guy comes up and says, like, well, here's one at 57, and you can't do anything. I mean, that's got to be just so immensely frustrating. Yeah. Well, and the fact that people, uh, the greatest catchers in the world cannot catch it I, I that there's it's it's like some sort of like it's like something you would invent in a laboratory i mean it really is this idea that you could throw a ball in such a way where the greatest hitters in the world can't hit it the greatest catchers in the world can't catch it uh, it's like almost has some sort of like nuclear waste on it or something it's it is i love that i to me that is we we talk about it, and i'm sure among our picks will be all of these things that that suggest why baseball is like close to God, you know, like there's, some, yeah. there's, some, and that's <laughs> one of them. It's like the fact that this ball that you're talking about, that you could hold it a certain way and throw it a certain way. And it can do weird things that don't really make any sense to us. No matter how well we understand the physics is it's just beautiful to me. It's great. It's, it's a, it's a little bit of a reach in number one, but I think it's a good pick because it, it is unique. You know, there are finesse bowlers in cricket who do a similar thing. But you know, they bounce the ball, though. They bounce the ball. The ball's bounced, obviously. But also, like, it, and it's not quite the same. Like, a finesse bowler in cricket, I think, is a little closer to, like, what Jamie Moyer was. Right. right. It, so it's not, there's nothing in any other sport that I know of where the main action of the game, like, there's no quarterback who throws underhand right. or something. Right. right? It's right. Like, no, the it's, only it's, thing I've ever thought of that was even close were punters that can put the reverse spin on the ball and make it bounce backward. Yeah, it's not the it same. Lands. It's not close, but it's the closest thing I've thought of that, that yeah. you could do that. All right, good pick. I'm I'm with you on this. I'm really, I'm really going with it, it just to feed off of your pick. Because you and I both love baseball so much, I feel like in, in contrast to some of our more contentious drafts, <laughs> this is going to be very celebratory. This is going to be – we're both going to like each other's picks a lot. And I'm predicting at the end of it that we feel like it was a tie. It was a tie. I, I think I think we can call it a tie right now. <laughs> I'm going to go with, for number two, I'm going to go with the lack of a clock, um, which, again, brings the conversation full circle a little bit. But 
Um, it still is the only game. You know, if you're watching a football game and your team is down by 17 points with two and a half minutes left, you're dead. You know you're dead. There's no way it can happen. Even the most, the craziest comebacks like the Packers-Seahawks game this year, that, like, they're, they're, they, if the Packers had been up by, like, three more points, that was impossible. Right. And in baseball, it is the only game where if you're losing 14 to nothing in the ninth inning with one out, you still can win. And you won't, probably. Like, the, your chances of winning are, are infinitesimal, but you can. And it's part of what makes the game great, not just because that can happen, but because you can, as a fan, retain the feeling that that can happen. And the number of great kind of late-inning heroics in baseball far outnumber those in any other sport, partly because there are more games, obviously, but also because of the way the game is constructed, because the, a team has a currency, that currency is outs, and they can spend that currency at, in, in different ways, and they can, heart, they can hoard that currency in different ways, and at the end of the day, they can cash in those chips, essentially, if they're smart, and actually like overcome in seemingly insurmountable odds. And that, that fact of just the nature of the game, of how the game, the rules of the game exist, is so great and so wonderful, and it makes you so it makes you watch the ninth inning of a game when you when your team is down seven to two, it, you still want to watch the the last inning because of the chance that something crazy is going to happen, and it's more intense in baseball than other sports, and that's why I'm making a number two. Well, it's it's it is a great pick, as I will say after every one of your picks, um, <laughs> and I've written I, I've actually written about this quite a lot lately. Um, Clocks in general, because of of what they are, they 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 really kind of there's like a little tyranny that they have over sports, where you're constantly watching the clock, the clock's ticking down. There's like this edginess that you feel watching the games. Um, we're running out of time. You're constantly running out of time in other sports, and. That's, you know, it also adds to the drama and the, and the, you know, the excitement of it. It's not a completely negative thing, but in basketball, you're down seven with 37 seconds left in your mind. You're going, okay, well, what has to happen exactly if we score three here and they do this and that, and the other, and you're constantly fighting against the clock. And that's the way it is in every sport. The only two sports that are not like that in my mind, uh, one is baseball and by far the only, I think the only team sport like that. Um, the other is uh, tennis, where in tennis, no matter how far down you are, you could be down six love, 40 love, or five love, 40 love, and you could still win the set. I mean, there's it's because it's not connected to a clock. Right. And, and I, so I think that's a beautiful thing. And I, again, I think it's also about the pace of the game. I mean, that it's, I want to go with friends to baseball games. I, when I go to friends with football games, it's fine. But it doesn't matter. I mean, you're yeah, you can high-five them when your team scores and you get excited, but you're not talking to them during the game. You're not enjoying their company during the game. It's you're, you're, Everything is focused on the field, and I guess that's the way it should be. That's why it's such a great television sport. Baseball is just so much more – I'm talking to everybody. I'm talking to my friend, the guy in front of me. He tells me some story about the 57 Yankees, and the guy behind me is doing this, and, and it's it's – it's really a cool community, and I really believe that the clock is the big reason for that. 
Yeah, good point about tennis, I guess. Like, baseball is the only team sport where that can happen. Tennis, you can obviously be down to your last, uh, the equivalent of your last strike and still win. There's also golf, which, you know, technically you can win, but, like, there comes a point where, like, you're down enough strokes, it doesn't matter. There's not holes left to, yeah. Um, And it is a clock. I mean, there's a different kind of clock on, on, on there. But the clock there is... If you're if if you need to make a hole in one on a par four to tie, right, you're it's, dead. It's over, right? Exactly. So, good choice, excellent choice. Uh, my second pick, I'm going to go with what I was originally going to go with my number one pick, which is the baseball cap. That was my original number one. I got excited about the knuckleball. Um, baseball cap is such an extraordinary piece of. It's not a, I, equipment, I guess. It's just. It is so fantastic that they invented this thing, and it's you know I I'm sure there were there were other you know caps of some kind, beanies or whatever. It's got a little visor, like right over your your head to basically protect you from the sun. The rest of it is just there to kind of just it's on your head. It tells people what team you play for. It's comfortable on your head. People throw baseball caps on. Every day, for no reason, they're not playing baseball. They're just throwing their base. You don't throw any other piece of equipment on, like just to go out. Like, you never, you never go like you know. I'm going out. I'm going to throw shoulder pads on. It's never. <laughs> but you, it's the cap is so. It's such a part of 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 who we are um, as Americans. We wear our caps in different ways. You you know, you wear a cap a certain way. It's disrespectful. You wear a cap another way, and which is ridiculous, by the way. Um, yeah. It's such a perfect piece of uniform. It's like the baseball uniform itself is is adjusted, and and even caps have adjusted through the years. But it remains still this 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 wonderful thing that if if, if you cannot invent. Like there's nothing you can invent for basketball or for football that would be so universal as as the baseball cap is. Love it. Uh, my second pick, the baseball cap. Great, great pick. Love it. Have a, have too many of them. I think. <laughs> Me too. I have, I have too many of them. It's it's a problem. I have a like a wicker basket in a room in my house that's just filled with baseball caps. And and the, the another like it's a good problem to have. But when you're a baseball fan. People love giving you baseball caps as as like presents or like oh you'll like this oh I got this free from this guy you'll want like I just have thousands of them I have a baseball cap that says T Row Price Investments <laughs> I don't know I have no I don't have any money invested at T Row Price but like someone like left it on my desk and was like hey I got this and you want it and now I just have it in my house <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> But by the way, I've totally worn it. Like if I if I have to go outside in the sun to like play outside with my kids or whatever, like oh, that'll grab that T Row Price investment <laughs> baseball cap. <laughs> it's the greatest thing I've ever heard. You yeah, just walking re- around with a T Row Price. Yeah, it looks like I'm you know a senior in investment strategist <laughs> or whatever. I don't know. I don't know the terminology. Um, great, great pick. Uh, for number three, I'm gonna I'm gonna. Go, it's a little bit of a stretch, but I'm going all the way to uh, baseball cards. Very so, good. Baseball cards are the best cards. No other sport even comes close. It's embarrassing for other sports when they try to have cards. Um, they shouldn't. They should give up. Uh, the history of baseball cards is great. The the like you know there's and there's like there's very famous cards, right? There's the '52 Mantle rookie and there's the Honus Wagner card and whatever. But the baseball cards I'm talking about are the like 1987 <laughs> tops, like Corey Snyder. 
or you know, like it's like it's a card that when you were a kid, for whatever reason, you fell in love with that particular card or that particular picture or that it was your favorite guy and your favorite team, or it was just like a rookie card that you got really excited about watching that guy develop. Those really old cards, not really old comparatively, but those like '82. Um, they would have like future stars cards, and there'd be three people on them, and oh. it would like, yeah, those cards are great. Like, I have um, I have every top set from '75, which is the year I was born, through '90, I think one, which is when I stopped collecting because it got to because Upper Deck ruined everything and made them like <laughs> it went from being like forty cents for a pack to like five bucks, and it was terrible. But I still take them out and flip through them sometimes. I'm excited to give them to my son someday if he happens to get into collecting cards. It's so the the cards that you cared about were so important to you, and like and they were so like crucial to who you were as a person. I'm still annoyed that I lost or it was stolen from me a uh, an '85 tops Roger Clemens rookie card during a sleepover <laughs> at my friend Nick Sergi's house. I'm still annoyed that it happened. I think about it all the time that I'm down. In my collection, I'm down one Roger Clemens rookie card because it either was stolen from me, my Nick's uh, brother, little brother Greg, or I just lost it. I don't know which. But like that, they, there's nothing else in sports, like from a fan's point of view, that you've like fetishized that much and that you care about that much. And you have so many memories associated with baseball cards. They're great. Number three pick. Maybe too low. Maybe too low. I might have waited too long. To take them I, you know, it's, a, it's an incredible pick. Uh, by the way, who is this Nick Sergi? <laughs> and, and how does he have your card? He has your card. He was a friend of mine. I, I remember at the time thinking that it wasn't Nick. It was Greg. Okay. It was his own brother Greg. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't, the truth is it probably fell out of my album and is under, it was under his bed and then his mom threw it away. But I, don't, I have no idea. But I know, I'm blaming him. I think about it all the time and it happened 20 years ago. I have to just say this. So, so I am on vacation with my family. And we went out this morning, and I have two daughters and, and my wife, so I'm the only, the only guy in the family. And uh, we went shopping, uh, as we will, on vacation. And, and everybody got little beach-type things for themselves, a little beach purse and little uh, necklace and, and, you know, the, 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 all sorts. Of, and I got nothing because that's the dad role in these, in these situations is to get nothing. So <laughs> as we were leaving – uh, we went to Target. We we stopped at Target. As we were leaving the Target, I saw a 2015 uh, baseball cards um, box where you could buy, not the set, but like you could buy a box of cards. Sure. Which I did, which I did. I said, I am buying, cost me like 13 bucks, by the way, which is ridiculous. Huh. It's ridiculous what happened to, to baseball card prices. But I bought it, and, and I just want you to tell you that my first card that I got, the one right on the top, I'm looking at it right here, it's a 2015 Cubs Brewers Rookie Stars card. Fantastic. And the two people are Matt Zizier <laughs> and Jason Rogers, two people I've never heard of. But I am so in love with this card already. First of all, because it's Matt Zizier, S-Z-C-Z-U-R. The Cubs have like 5,000 great prospects. That's the guy they put on the cover. And and Jason Rogers. So could not agree with you more on the baseball cards. I still, I'm I'm an old man. I still get thrilled when I get my baseball cards. They're so, so great. It looks like it's pronounced Caesar. Matt Caesar. Caesar. Okay, Matt Caesar. Caesar, maybe. I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, he's a center fielder. He bats right, throws right, 6'1", 195. 
born in 1989 in Cape May, New Jersey, went to Villanova, drafted by the Dodgers in the 38th round of the draft. This is fed. This guy, this guy, my new favorite player. He was rated the number 64 prospect in 2012 by Baseball America. Uh, he's been, it looks like he's been at low A for a while. Daytona, Tennessee, Mesa. He played at Iowa last year at AAA in Iowa. He had a 626 OPS. Not great <laughs> in the PCL. It's a hitter's league. Uh, but, hey, you know, whatever. This guy, this this is our new favorite player. We're going to well, track him. I love him, and we are going to give an update on him every single podcast. <laughs> and I just want to say this. Based on this card, he delivered 31 multi-hit performances in 2014. Hey, look at that. Is that good? Yeah, that's – I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I love stats. You have no idea if they're good or not. You know, he, he made the he made what is called the hardest jump in the majors last year. Or two, in 2013, he was a double A. He went to two the he went to triple A. He's only two, he's still only 24. But yeah, uh, he was you born know, in 89. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's I guess that's right. Oh, you know what? Yeah, you're right. It's two years ago. So now he's 26. He's going into his 26 year old season. That's not he's, great. That's so he played in the Cubs last year. Just so you know, just so you know everything about him. This is why he's on that card. At age 25, he had he got 21 at bats. 24 plate appearances with the Cubbies last year. He had three home runs. Oh, his nice. slash his slash line in his 24 plate appearances was 381, 458, 952. He had a 1.4 <laughs> OPS in 24 at bats. That's why he's on that card. That's absurd. Oh, I love him. I yeah. love him. All right, Matt, you are you are the podcast official player. Our uh, official mascot now. Of 2015. <laughs> you know he's going to find out about this. All right. So uh, excellent, excellent choice. Love baseball cards. My third pick is baseball stats, and and that's it's too wide of a topic to to discuss. Obviously, you and I have had many many conversations about it, but it is the only sport where base where stats really I mean really matter. I mean really where you can absolutely break down the stats in so many different ways. So there, the basketball people will argue for the NBA, and 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 they are doing. Very, very cool things with, with, with basketball stats, no question. Hockey yeah. hockey is really getting into some very cool stats. Football I still don't think is, but but I know they do it. But everybody's chasing baseball, and everybody knows it. It's yeah. the perfect laboratory for stats, for baseball stats. Every single thing a player does on the field um, is in some way cataloged, and there are so many different ways to play around with it, and it it bothers me. I'm just going to say it, and I know it bothers you. It bothers me that baseball fans are so afraid, some baseball fans, are so afraid of baseball stats and so afraid of things they tell us that might not make sense to us at first or things that, that, that we don't want to believe, but the baseball stats show it that way. I don't understand that. I don't understand why we wouldn't want to expand our, our horizons why we wouldn't want this is as part of our argument, part of our discussion. You don't have to believe baseball stats, everyone. A lot of them lie. A lot of them tell stories that aren't true. But it adds so much color and vibrancy to the game. I don't think there's anything like it in any other sport. Um, you know, what's interesting is it, it actually doesn't bother me anymore. Okay. Uh, I don't know why. Uh, well, actually, I do know why. I mean, I, I, I literally used to uh, write for a blog that did nothing but be bothered by this. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it doesn't bother me because I feel like I feel like the people. There was a Boston Globe article recently that was about stats are driving away kids from the game, and it's and you read it and you're just like, 
no, no, it's not. No, it's not. I'm sorry. It's just not. And I, and I, I guess the reason it doesn't bother me is because it now feels like the minority opinion. It felt very much like the majority opinion for a long time. That's right. And in a very short amount of time, in part because of the overwhelming success of organizations that decided that it mattered, like the Red Sox and the Rays and now the Cubs and everything else, I feel like it's, it, I feel like those people are just like, they're people who are still, who are like yelling at, at Galileo when he says that the earth is revolving around the sun. It just feels like you, okay, just keep yelling. It's fine. Like you're, you're wrong and you'll die and then it'll fall back. <laughs> so, but so, so, so just so I understand this, while you used to, in your Fire Joe Morgan blog, be upset about this, now you realize these people are going to die. Well, it's not just that they're going to die, um, because uh, that's true of most people, I would say. <laughs> but it's really because it just seems like the, it seems like the tide has swung. And yes. maybe I'm naive or something, but it, it definitely feels like the tide has, has swung. And that the people who now, it's like, you just keep yelling. We'll keep having this really interesting and layered discussion about baseball that involves statistics, and you can keep yelling about how they don't matter. Go ahead. It doesn't bother me anymore. Yeah, I think that's right. I, no, I do think you're right, and I do think it is a minority opinion, and I do think it's changed dramatically, and the idea that kids, kids, are like being driven away from baseball is for, for stats, ridiculous. Kids yeah, are the bonkers. ones embracing it more than anybody. Um, so that's absurd. Here's my question for you, though. How, how many hours a week – would you estimate you're on Baseball Reference or Fangraphs or Baseball Prospectus or, or some similar site? I don't want to think about it. <laughs> I, I, I really, oh, my. I, I, I mean, honestly, you know, and, and look, part of it is I guess it's my job, although, frankly, nobody at NBC wants me doing this. Um, yeah. I just have constantly, and I know you're the same way, and, and a lot of baseball fans are the same way. I just constantly think about things like that, things that I want to go on and see – you know, Al Rosen died a couple of days ago, and I just wrote a little piece about him. And it was it was a total joyous hour, hour and a half for me, going to Al Rosen's baseball reference page and learning about what kind of player he was. Not that I – I mean, I was aware of him, obviously. I grew up in Cleveland and knew about him. But seeing how amazing that 1953 season was, seeing how incredible his career scope was because he didn't get up to the big leagues really until he was 26 – because of the war and because of of, of other players, it, it's a, it's a really remarkable time that you can spend enjoying the game, just looking at numbers and and maybe that's geeky, but I, I think it's I think it's wonderful. How many hours do you spend? I, I don't. I also don't want to think about it. Many, <laughs> but like the, my favorite, one of my favorite things to do is to go back and look at like MVP votes. Yes. In the fifties and sixties, and see how wrong they were. <laughs> And, like, there were years where, you know, there's the famous ones like DiMaggio over uh, Williams or whatever. But then there's other ones where, like, you know, these guys, like, you know, they, they would give the MVP in a sort of a similar way, less egregious way when for Ichiro, when Ichiro won the MVP. But, like, these guys who would have, like, a year where they had, like, 190 singles and 80 stolen bases and they'd win the MVP and there were, like, you know, Frank Howard and like, right. and, and Mickey Mantle were hitting like 57 home runs or whatever. And it was like, oh, they were so much more valuable. But like, it's so fun because that tells a story, right? Like you go back and you look at those votes, like look at the 1959 AL MVP vote and then like put together the story of how that season went down and how people were like captivated by certain players at certain times. It's endlessly, and the baseball reference is amazing. I It's, it's the best website in the world, I think. It it's so it great. And it's... 
All right, Excellent. so for number my number four pick, I'm going to go with, uh, again, a little bit of a reach. I'm going to go with irregularly shaped fields. <laughs> um, football fields, all the same. Soccer fields, all the same. Baseball, or basketball courts, all the same. Uh, tennis courts, all the same. You get the picture. Every single field in baseball is different. It has some different dimension. It allows you to change the way that you plan when you go to play in a stadium. You say, like, well, I'm going to start these pitchers there, or we're going to, you know, lefties, you know, there's a short porch at Yankee Stadium, or center field in Houston is 490,000 feet away, and it's got a hill in the outfield. Like, you, you, you actually have to change the way you approach the game slightly depending on where you are playing. That's great. That should never go away. I don't think it ever will go away. But it's also led to some of the most iconic views in sports, like looking out at left center field in the, in the old Yankee Stadium, at least. The new one kind of stinks. but Or looking at left field in, in Fenway or looking, you know, looking at the IV-covered walls at Wrigley or whatever. That is, that's such a great aspect of the game that the fields don't have to be the same size. The walls are different lengths and different heights. And, and the, you know, the, the infield is the same in every park. And the dimensions are the same in every park in terms of the amount, in terms of like the, or the angles are the same from home plate to first and from third to home and all that stuff. But the outfields are all different and that's so great. And I love reading about old stadiums. You know, John McGraw Stadium had like a 550 foot center field or something like that. Like it's so fun to read about those stadiums and the and look at the current stadiums and know where you're that you're gonna see something different. Like at Petco, Petco is one of those beautiful stadiums I've ever seen in San Diego. It's so great. Have you been to Petco? I have. Yeah. It's gorgeous. It's so great. It's nestled into these weird old warehouses and stuff, and there's all these crazy angles. It's like that aspect of baseball is to me one of the one of the things that makes watching the game so fun, especially live. It's it's I totally agree with you, and I find it stunning there are people that that bothers them about the game they, they they don't like the fact that it's different at Fenway than it is at Wrigley than it is at Yankee Stadium than it is in Cleveland whatever the case may be they want it to be the same and I I think I think it's one of the greatest things about baseball and and by the way you talk about the different stadiums I have been to all 30 stadiums uh in in baseball nice I've, I've been to all 32 NFL stadiums I cannot tell you anything that I like about almost any NFL stadium. <laughs> and I don't even mean that in a negative way. I mean, I, I mean, the NFL is great, and I love it, and whatever. But Green Bay has got, like, a cool, like, mall-type area that's kind of close to the stadium. And Green Bay is a cool town. That's about it. I mean, there's, there's... Yeah, like, you would say, like, sold the exterior of Soldier Field, before yeah. the renovation, that had a certain iconic look to it. Right, you, you got the barbecue in Kansas City, but the point is, the stadiums are all the same. I mean, yeah. essentially, they're the same. The field's the same. The 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 look is the same. The press boxes are the same. The scoreboards are the same. You go to any baseball stadium in the country, including ballparks that I'm not crazy about, like Tampa or Oakland, and it is a completely different experience than any place else. And I think I think that's very very cool. I mean, you go to I. I love Dodger Stadium the, for the old ones. You know, I love it. I love the – on a clear day, you can see the mountains and, and, and all of that. I just think it's a beautiful uh, place to go watch a game. But then you go right, you know, whatever, a half hour away, 40 minutes away, and go to Anaheim, and it's cool in its own way, you know, completely different way with the weird outfield and the, the renovations and, and this sort of Disney feel. 
every stadium has its own cool feel, and I love the fact that each one has its own sort of distance. You know, it's this is a tough home run park. This is an easy one. I, I think it's the greatest. I think we can all we can both agree though that the best feature of any Major League Baseball stadium is those neon dolphins that jump up in the air in Miami when they hit a home run. That's like the to me that was the classiest. I don't know if it's the best, but it's the classiest part I, of any baseball. I, I, I always thought the train in Houston was was, was really classy. <laughs> yeah, um, but that's that is very classy. Yeah, very classy. By the way, none of us are going to put those stupid things that they hit together in in, in uh, Anaheim. Those thunder sticks. Or whatever, oh God! Right? Oh, it's the worst. Those are the Anaheim. Worst. It, it's it is a, a sad fact of living in Los Angeles that Dodger Stadium is great. Love Dodger Stadium. Anaheim, where I actually tend to go more often because of the and the American League thing, is is one of my least favorite stadiums I've ever seen. They really. It's oh, it's fine, but it's usually about 130 degrees. Yes. Every uh, exposed inch of flesh on everyone's face is sunburned by the end of the game, <laughs> regardless of what you do to prevent it. It's not a great stadium, but even it's it's still fun. It's still fun. It's good. It's still great. All right, excellent, excellent choice. Uh, so my fourth pick is going to be – I'm going to choose one person, but I want him to represent the entirety of this. My fourth pick is Vince Scully, and I want him to represent baseball and radio. Um but he just does it better, and he's not even on radio that much anymore. It's mostly television that he does. He does like three innings or whatever. But there is nothing in any sport better than listening to Vin Scully call a baseball game on the radio. Uh, and Vin is, you know, as being the, the world's biggest Vin Scully fan, I'm willing to concede he's not as uh, – He's not as he's different, you know. It's it's changed. He's not he's not quite as as quick as he used to be, and 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 all of that. But ninety five percent of Vin Scully is better than anybody else, and it's still the greatest thing. I think baseball on the radio, listening in your car, listening at picnics, listening wherever you are, greatest thing in sports. I yeah. really wanted it at number one, but I but I knew I would be able to get him in the fourth because I knew you'd be focused on in a completely different direction. So <laughs> very happy with it at number four. You won't. Yeah. No argument for me. That's a baseball on the radio in general is wonderful. And it, you see it in like, there's a lot of like movies where at some point in the movie, especially if the movie takes place in the Northeast, someone will be sitting on a porch and there will be playing baseball, a baseball game from a radio. <laughs> it's just like such an iconic thing. It, yeah. It's great. It's the best. And, and like, Leaving work uh, out on the West Coast, you know, and driving home and listening, it makes your commute go way faster. If you can find and literally any baseball game. Um, I, I, my fifth pick is, is close enough so that this might be controversial, but I'm going to do it anyway. My fifth pick is Homer Announcers. <laughs> like, Homer Announcers. Homer Announcers. I, the, the best thing about getting the MLB package and about being able to watch any game at any time with the local announcing crew is getting a sense of how much or how little of a homer each team's announcers are. And it runs the gamut. Some of them play it pretty straight. Some of them are like, I'm announcing the game. I'm a person who's employed by this local, whatever it is, you know, the Fox Sports uh, Network or the Nesson or whatever. Uh, but some of them are, are super homery, and I love it. It's the way it should be. <laughs> Ken Harrelson, who I have no great love for as like a, an announcer or a, a thinker of the game, it's so fun to listen to Ken Harrelson announce. And in the same way, it was great fun to listen to Ron Santo call Cubs games. Like, 
the it's the the formula of a play-by-play guy and then a like a usually a former player from that team as the color guy is such a great formula for baseball because they they don't really have to mask their it's not like watching a, a national NFL game where it's like if Troy Aikman's calling a Cowboys game, he does a pretty good job of not seeming like he's rooting for the Cowboys. If he even is, I don't even know if he is. But in baseball, they can kind of openly root for the team they're 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 announcing for, and that's so wonderful. It's so old timey. It has this wonderful sort of atavistic feel to it, and I I I just love like going to like the Pirates broadcast and hearing when the Pirates were good out of nowhere. The Pirates announcers were so happy. They, it's like they had been calling. I don't know if it was the same guys, but they had been calling. And Bob Walk is one of them, I think. They'd been calling a terrible team for so long, and suddenly the team was good. And they had, you know, like, Andrew McCutcheon was coming up, and they were excited. Like, it just felt like this wonderful thing where the announcers get to be part of the team. And there's a reason that, like, the announcers get, like, World Series rings if the if the team wins the World Series. It's because they're part of the team. I think that's great. Do you, okay, it, does it make me a bad person that every single time, and I mean literally every single time, Hawk Harrelson says, he gone, I, cra- <laughs> I crack up. Does that, does that make me a bad person that I do that every single time? Not at all. That joke, it, it, is, it is the ultimate, it makes me laugh no matter how many times I hear it. He also has, to my mind, the worst home run call of any, <laughs> that you can put it on the board, that thing. It's just, it's so bad. <laughs> but... But also, like, that's his thing. That's his little cute thing. And, like, Burt Blylevin in Minnesota, how the people in the, in the stand say, circle me, Burt. Circle me, Burt. And he yeah. circles yeah. them with the telestrator. That's delightful. <laughs> like, these things are so charming to me. I find them so charming and, and adorable and great. What about the Royals? How about, how about listening to the Royals games? I'm not sure how many Royals games I listen to on their on their channel. Who who calls the Royals games? You you don't you know who it is. I'm, I'm not I'm not gonna say. I, the the color the the play by play guy is a very good friend of mine, uh, Ryan Lefevre. Uh, oh right, of, son right. of Jim Lefevre. Uh, the color guy used to be the Angels um, color guy. Oh, <laughs> the one dog. That's correct. Yeah, him. yeah. And yeah. Uh, I I I God bless him. I'm sure he's the nicest guy in the world. I can't listen. I can't. <laughs> I just can't. I just can't do it. I I feel it makes me feel bad. It makes me feel bad that I can't do it. But I, I can't listen to him. I can't. Sorry. I didn't really need to go in that direction, but I just had to say that. All right. Let me let, let's end this because this is by far our longest podcast. We've gone on way too long. Yeah. Uh, my fifth pick is, and I do this in honor of Buck O'Neill, uh, who would say this because this is kind of a cliche, but Buck O'Neill always said this, and he's right. Uh, my fifth pick is the triple. That was always Buck O'Neill would always say the best thing in baseball is the triple. And he would explain it this way. He would say it's the only play in baseball, generally speaking, where every single person on the field is moving at the same time. Huh. I thought that was really interesting. And he's right. I mean, I, I guess I don't know if a right fielder is coming over if the ball's hit to the to the left, you know, down the left field line or whatever. But he's right. There's like this constant movement of basically everybody all at the same time. And that's pretty cool. I mean, baseball in general tends to be a pretty – it's a one-on-one game between the pitcher and, and hitter. And then when a ball's hit, it tends to only go to one guy, and, and there's not a whole lot of movement elsewhere. But if you hit a ball into the gap and there's a chance for it to be a triple, there's a lot of people moving around, covering bases back and 
things up, trying to, to get to the cutoff. And it's pretty cool. I mean, they're, they're, it is very exciting. And obviously, an inside the park home run is even even cooler in, in some ways, but it's it's so rare. The triple is a very, very cool play. So even though I do think that's kind of a cliche, I'll, I'll use my fifth pick on the triple. No, it's a good choice. Are you aware of the of the semi-controversy involving the the t- number of Sam Crawford's all-time triples? <laughs> He's a, he has the record for the most triples all-time. And there's there appears – I have never read an explanation of it, but there appears to be some discrepancy in terms of the record-keeping, not surprising considering when he played, about whether he had 309 or 312 triples. Do you know about this? I did not know about this, no. Yeah. I and I, I only know I haven't again I have done no research I don't I don't pretend like this is a thing that may, this may be a, totally in my mind but I for years prided myself on knowing that Sam Crawford was the all-time triples leader with 312 and then one year I checked the records uh, and it, and it's listed as 309 and so I think at some point you know how sometimes they do like do audits yes and they'll be like actually the you know the number of whatever is actually lower than we thought. At some point, I guess they took three triples away from poor Sam Crawford. He's still the all-time leader, I believe. But uh, I, 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 someone needs to make like a, like an, like um, a, a twelve-part HBO documentary about the the controversy of how many career triples Sam Crawford has. So we I can put this really, matter to rest. I am really thinking my next book will be called The Three Missing Triples of Sam Crawford. I think it that might, would be awesome. I mean, it might you, it might have to be like a trilogy. I don't think you could, you could answer all the questions in just one book. You might need to... <laughs> the Three Triples, part one. Just yeah, the, part just one. the first triple. That It'll be like a Lord of the Rings kind of deal where you just it just keeps expanding. <laughs> all right, well, this is, this is... You were right. It's a tie. Yeah, dead tie. Dead, dead heat. Dead tie. I mean, and I don't think anybody could argue with that. <laughs> We went on for like an hour and 20 minutes. This is absolutely ridiculous. It's baseball. It's worth it. <laughs> it it's, is worth Baseball it. deserves the longest podcast. <laughs> By the way, the next podcast, the question, the, the, the full argument will be, uh, are podcasts too long? <laughs> <laughs> I think the answer is very clear. Yeah, um, I know that one. Thank you so much, as always. Thank you for having me.